Our scripture this morning, uh, we're going back to the very beginning. So Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. And we read this in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the days after the resurrection, the weeks and months, the disciples found themselves waiting for the kingdom of God to appear in a new way. Despite their initial confusion and their own history of misunderstanding Jesus, they had begun to recognize the relationship between God and his people had fundamentally changed, that they had changed. The rest of the New Testament, especially in the book of Acts, we see how this plays out in their own lives. The empty tomb had shifted the spiritual status quo for all humanity in ways that they'd only just started to understand and comprehend. Death had been canceled. Sin had lost its power over the human soul. Evil itself had been defeated by what Jesus had done on the cross. When Jesus died, the door to eternity was open, not only allowing humanity to return to their eternal home, but also flooding the world with God's presence. The promises God had made to the prophets that the Spirit of the Lord would reside with and even inside his people, granting them peace and joy and hope and purpose, had come true. After the resurrection, the disciples were learning what it meant not only that death had been defeated, but how the new life Jesus ushered into their world actually worked. Like the Apostle Paul later wrote in 2 Corinthians, the disciples were coming to terms with a new reality. That if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. Similar language was used by the prophets to announce the reign of a new king. The Lord declared in Isaiah 65, See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. So be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. In the days after the resurrection, the disciples felt They were experiencing a new creation that mirrored the creation story of Genesis. Because in Jesus, the entire universe was about to be remade. Our Lord begins this project at the resurrection, but achieves it through the ongoing activity of the third member of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. So for the next several months, we're going to be looking at how the Spirit helps us not only grow in our faith, but participate in God's plan for the redemption of the world. Our God calls us for a purpose. He crafts us. He shapes us for a purpose. And he does this through the working of the Holy Spirit. Now, compared to the seemingly more clearly defined God the Father and God the Son, the Holy Spirit often works 
behind the scenes, shrouded in mystery. The Spirit moved over the face of the deep at the beginning of creation, like we read this morning, but also embodied the presence of God throughout Israel's history. The Spirit revealed wisdom to the prophets and guided the faithful into deeper obedience throughout the entire Old Testament. Eventually, the Spirit of God's presence settled at the center of the Jewish temple, the one location where heaven, God's kingdom, and earth, where we lived, overlapped. But even after his arrival at Pentecost, the hidden nature of the Holy Spirit still causes us a lot of confusion. The New Testament uses the Greek words uh, hagios pneuma, which means Holy Spirit, and paraclete, which means one who comforts or counsels to describe uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, a friend of mine misunderstood that second word during a sermon as a child and believed for about a year the Holy Spirit was a parakeet. Uh, he'd seen pictures of birds and children's Bibles of Noah and Jesus. So as a kid, it made a little bit of sense. He thought, okay, birds and Jesus or birds and God are always along. For one very distressing year, he told me that he measured his relationship with God against this random bird that he'd only seen at the zoo. It was very, very confusing. He was left even more confused because the only family he knew that owned a parakeet was Jewish, which was very, very confusing. Adding to his discouragement was a declaration of Jesus that any Christian could call on this parakeet uh, whenever they needed help or comfort. So time after time, he would pray to God to send this bird, but it never came. Thankfully, we find clarity about how the Holy Spirit works in the new creation, not only by looking at how the apostles built the early church, but how the Spirit has always moved throughout the story of God's people, even before the world began. In our scripture this morning, we see how the Spirit moved in the very beginning, reveals a pattern for how our God brings order out of chaos to establish his kingdom. In these first few verses, we find three truths about this world and our place in it, about how our God moves and interacts uh, with us. The first is this. Our God created the universe and all its beauty and wonder from nothing. Not because he was bored or lacked anything, but as a consequence of his identity and character. He created and built a good world because his heart overflowed with creativity and love. He thought a world full of abundant life was better than a chaotic wilderness. Even more remarkable was that he thought this world would be better with people just like us in it. By extension, he thought this world would be better if someone just like you were here too. Second, our God established order out of chaos and brought light out of darkness. The original words, uh, tohu and bohu, describe the time before God moved as formless and empty. The exact opposite of how creation is described at the end of Genesis 1. This contrast between the chaos that uh, the spirit hovers over and the good creation that God ends up creating reveals how without the organizing activity of God's presence, the world lacked both a foundation and order, but also purpose. But the chaos here is subdued by the spirit who hovers over the face of the deep and creates everything, not just something from nothing. 
From chaos, from emptiness, our God creates not just a universe that exists, but is inherently designed to flourish. From infinite joy, our God overcomes the chaos and pours his presence into this creation, declaring at the end of every day that what he made was good, or tov in Hebrew. We've talked about this before, but tov, again, means good and pleasant. It means that everything is working together in harmony in the way they're originally designed. In the beginning, God's creation embodied all of these meanings at once. Third, God did this explicitly through the Holy Spirit, what the Hebrew names as the ruach or life breath of God himself. In the Hebrew, that word is used to describe the wind, the holiness of a person's breath. Uh, it's a good spiritual exercise that when we are feeling overwhelmed to, to notice our breath, uh, to remember that that breath is there because God places it there. It can also be used to describe the human soul. The presence of the Spirit here emphasizes the personal nature of God's commitment to his creation. The Holy Spirit... I want you, there's one thing I want you to remember from this sermon this morning is that the Holy Spirit is not some passive, impersonal energy. The Holy Spirit is intimately invested in creating precisely what God the Father desires. Genesis describes not just what happened. It's not just a mechanical uh, understanding of how the universe began, but who is there and why he is creating it. The Spirit moves with purpose and energy in the very beginning to create an entirely new world. The movement of the Spirit in the first moments of creation, however, should give us great hope for our world today. The precedent For God's merciful action throughout the rest of history can be found in the first two verses of our Bible. Here our God moves in love to bring order out of chaos, to fill what was empty, and to give shape to what was formless. This applies to our world both then but also now. The Spirit of God engages the chaos of this world. Transforming what was empty and confused, a wilderness without meaning into an ordered creation of beauty and life and goodness. We live in a world that daily seems to make less sense. It seems to be just as chaotic as the first moments of creation. And so we should find this incredibly encouraging. The world that we live in might be broken But our God has said since the very beginning that he will shape this world into what it's meant to be. The resurrection confirms that this creation continues today, that our God hasn't stopped engaging in the chaos. Despite the brokenness we experience, the same spirit that created the world continues to create his kingdom today, not with atoms or stars, but through his people. The creation that happened then still happens today, and so even our worst days are not beyond his power to redeem and restore. Our God is still moving. The next time you look at the news and it tells you all of the terrible things that are happening in this world, 
you can reply to it. You can look at it and say, yes, but our God is still moving. Yes, the Holy Spirit is still alive, still bringing order out of chaos, still shaping this world to resemble his kingdom more than the brokenness. Perhaps even more amazing, however, is that the Spirit also still works to form his children too. The Spirit isn't just moving out there in the world. He is moving in each of us as well. Well, our God is certainly concerned with establishing his kingdom over and against the powers of this world like sin and evil. He is equally committed to remaking the hearts of regular people like you and me. The Spirit doesn't only fill an empty universe. He fills our hearts. The Spirit shapes not only mountains, he shapes souls. The creation we see in Genesis happens again in us through the Spirit, connecting us to the eternal things of God the Father, transforming us into citizens of his kingdom. The chaos that swirls around us and sometimes maybe inside us is overcome when our hearts are joined to the heart of Jesus Christ, our Savior, when our lives are joined to the life of Jesus. John Calvin writes, the Holy Spirit exists to make us one with our Lord Jesus Christ and to dwell in him and he in us, to be joined together by an inseparable bond. By virtue of our union with Christ, we receive all the saving blessings of God. We receive not only Christ himself, but also his blessings and benefits. We may dare assure ourselves that eternal life, of which Christ is the heir, is ours. And the kingdom of heaven into which Christ has entered can be no more cut off from us than from him. This is the wonderful exchange which out of his measureless benevolence he has made with us, that by his descent to earth he has prepared an ascent to heaven for us, that by taking on our mortality he has conferred his immortality upon us, that accepting our weakness he strengthens us by his power, that receiving our poverty he transfers his wealth to us, that by taking the weight of our iniquity he clothes us, With his righteousness. The benefits of this union isn't just reserved for the future when we join our Lord in glory at the end of this life. When we are united to our Savior, every moment and area of life becomes not just our own, but his. Joined to Jesus, our places of work become an opportunity to make the world more like his kingdom. Our homes become local temples and churches where the presence of the living God sanctifies our families and reflects his light to a broken world. The resurrection of Jesus promises that our God continues to create in us the patterns of his kingdom. The Spirit forms in us habits of eternity as we are slowly recreated from wayward rebels into his true children, Through the Holy Spirit, the promise the Lord made in Ezekiel 36 comes true. I will give you a new heart 
and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The resurrection of Jesus confirms the same spirit that moved at creation now moves in our world, but also in us today working every moment to conform our heart and our mind and our soul to Jesus. The Holy Spirit works to transform us. Uh, philosopher Soren Kierkegaard considered this internal transformation even more miraculous than the creation of the universe. He said this, he said, God creates out of nothing. Well, wonderful, you say. Yes, to be sure, but he does what is still more wonderful. He makes saints out of sinners. That is the creation that happens in us. We are transformed. Of course, the promise we find at the very beginning can sometimes feel hard to believe, or at the very least put into practice when the world still seems so broken. Some days still feel empty and formless, and we've all experienced moments when the chaos touches us and throws our entire life off kilter. Stuck between Christ's resurrection and the ultimate restoration of the world, we live in a time the theologians call already but not yet. Even if we've seen flashes of his grace and love, we also recognize that they're not yet the standard mode of operation for this world. But the promise we find of the first creation, the promise of the first creation is echoed in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Our God knows how to subdue the chaos of this broken world, and the Spirit will not stop until our whole world and lives are made new. We are like a meteorologist forecasting a sunny afternoon in the middle of a blizzard, but the creation story reminds us that despite appearances, Christ is in control and his kingdom is still coming. In Jesus, the Spirit creates not more universes somewhere out there in the cosmos, but transforms people like you and me into new creations. The Spirit creates and recreates our world and lives. Every day holds the same potential for us to become brand new people and live in brand new ways. Perhaps the most wonderful consequence of our own transformation is that we begin to take on the characteristics of the Spirit who remakes us. We're not only made into a new creation, we're not only acted upon, we're given spiritual license to create like the Spirit creates. We are rescued from the chaos. So we might join in the building of God's kingdom. The Holy Spirit teaches us how to build like he builds in our own lives. How to create space for love to grow. How to pave gentle roads for the lost to find their way home. How to build sanctuaries that offer rest and comfort to the weary and heavy laden. The Spirit builds himself in us so we might build the kingdom in our own small ways Every day. So today, rejoice that we are not only made new in Jesus, but we are called to help make the world new with the Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen.